Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan, joined as always by my friend and the founder and CEO of Startups.com, Will Schroeder. Will, one of the things that we talk to founders about a lot of the question that we get asked is, when's the best time to raise capital? When should I raise capital? When when will this be the, the right thing to do in the right time? Let's instead flip that around today and talk a little about when is the wrong time to raise capital and what is the cost of doing so? I think in the, the early days, ironically, when we need it most, right? Yeah, always. <laughs> the, the most expensive drop of water yep. is when you're dying in the desert right? yeah. and someone will sell you any, anything for one drop of water, right? Yes. And I think for startups, we, we're all in the desert. We all start in the desert. That's, that's like you know where our video game starts, where we're alone right. in the desert, right? And we're, we're dying. And the investors or co-founders or anybody else has the one drop of water that we don't right. have. And yeah. we will do anything to get it. And we're about to make the most calamitous mistakes of our entire startup career. <laughs> and and yeah. that's where our story begins. All right. So before we get into this next topic, I just want to let you know, what we talk about here is like 1% of the conversation. You know, really this conversation is going on all day long online at groups.startups.com where Ryan and I pretty much talk endlessly with founders about every one of these topics. So if by the end of this discussion, you like the topic and you want to dig into it a little bit more with Ryan and I, just head to groups.startups.com and we'll pick it up from there. And that's where our story begins. The I think one of the biggest problems with that is it's so not obvious when you're going through it. Not right? Because you are the thirsty person in the desert. And so you want to you know, quench that thirst. Uh, and there are a number of ways that you can do that. And we'll, we'll talk through them. Um, all of them coming at, you know, extremely high costs and often, um, I won't say always, a lot of the time completely unnecessary, right? We end up right. doing these things for the wrong reasons, uh, due to this, the, the nature of, of exactly how vulnerable we are at these, at these early stages, right? When, when we don't yet know what the future looks like, um, when we feel like what we have doesn't have any value, so we're willing to give it away, um, and all of these other factors that play into us being just super exposed as founders, uh, and willing to take help, money, uh, even just companionship, uh, from right. sort of anywhere we can get it, right? It's a dangerous place to be. And, and I think sure that's part of the narrative, the startup narrative that uh, nobody really talks about or gives color to. You know, sure. when we talk in, uh, it's come up in the last couple of weeks in founder groups where folks were further along, they weren't just starting, mm -hmm. um, but they're at a point, they're like, hey, I need money. So it's a good time to raise money. I'm like, ah, you know, this is a dangerous time to raise money because yes. you're never going to give up more percentage wise, et cetera of equity that you don't get back, right? That's really right. at, at the, the core of what we're talking about, um, than you will right now. So if there was ever a time to say, maybe I shouldn't be raising money, right? Or giving up equity, because this isn't just about raising money. Maybe I shouldn't be giving up equity. The, the lesson we should give to every founder, and this will be part of this, this podcast, is right now, in the first year, you should never be more terrified of giving up equity than yep. you are right now, right? And it's not to say you shouldn't do it. You know, it's an important catalyst that we have for all of our growth, right? Sure. It's a currency that we use, et cetera. Yep. But you got to understand, it's never going to be this expensive again, hopefully. Right. It's the most expensive currency you have. Yep. Yeah. There's one version where everything's 90% off. This is like, you know, everything is a thousand times more expensive. This is inflation right. at the max, right? Right. And, and I think we should dig into all the areas today where founders just get 
buried with these essentially bad decisions. Yeah. I want to, I want to hammer home one more point. This is actually quoting you. Well, I find myself saying this more and more frequently to founders as they start to talk about, yeah, well, you know, I'm only giving up this much. I'm only giving up that much. You know, it's only, it's only worth this much. And the, the thing that you said, and this is a couple months ago now, but it was remember that the equity that you give away now represents like your equity is 100% of the future value of your company, right? There will never be more of it. Um, and there will likely be less and less and less of it, right? As you go on these things, you know, there will be additional funding rounds and and things that will happen that will pare that equity down. Uh, so parting with it at this very early stage where what you get back from it will be so disproportionately small to what it's worth in the future is super painful, but only if you're thinking about that future state. And if you're just looking at it now in a vacuum, sure, it's worth nothing. Uh, but if that's the case and we're going to value it based on what it's worth now, why the hell are we doing this in the first place, right? We have to be thinking about the future value of this or we're not building this company, right? So keep that in mind. This is 100% of the future value of your company that we're talking about. And I, I think the biggest element here, let's start here. I think the biggest element that kind of messes with us is as founders, we don't understand the value of time, right? Sure. So, so let's, let's use an arbitrary timeline. <laughs> in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah. It's so many, in so many ways. Uh, and this one, when we say value, we're meeting it quite literally, right? Yes. Like, like how, you know, how does that value change um, over the metric of time? And so let's start at, at uh, month zero, right? And then look at month 12, month 24. Here's sure. typically what happens. Month zero to say month three, month six, we've got the idea. Uh, Ryan, I pitched the idea to you. You're the only other person that said yes. And lo and behold, you know, we become co-founders, right? Right. And, it, and, and we'll get into this, you know, the whole co-founder thing. But um, we run into a thing where that may not have been the best decision for either of us, by the way. Yep. But we didn't give it time. Right. Another factor, right? Let's look at the, the status of the product, right? You know, the minimum viable product, the MVP or, you know, whatever we're looking at. We're like, hey, it's just an idea, but we have to get it to uh, an MVP state so we can get it out into the world. Right. Whatever we can do to accelerate that is good, right? <laughs> Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Yeah. If we end up losing a quarter of our company to save ourselves three or six months worth of time, over the course of 10 years, that will be the dumbest decision we've ever yep. made. Yep. And the list goes on. Every time we try to compress time, right? And give up a disproportionate amount of equity because we're vulnerable, we totally screw ourselves. And I think that's the, the, the essence of what we're talking about here. You know what I mean? For sure. For sure. I think there's another important caveat to that, which is that we always assume that the compression of time leads to good things, right? And it's not always the case. It just means we're going faster, right? If we're doing the wrong things, we just do them wrong faster. There can be advantages to that. We can find right. out that those were the wrong things sooner. Uh, but oftentimes, if you were to slow down and pay attention to what you're doing and not be in such a rush to get there, you would not have made the same decisions, right? There are a lot of times right. where you know founders will say, like, look, I just had the speed blinders on. I was moving so fast, I couldn't see these other things happening around me, whether it was you know erosion of the culture in the company um, or missed opportunities or building the product in the wrong direction and not listening to the market, whatever it is. These things really, really, really compound in the same way that that time value can compound, so can the time losses, right? And so right. I think that we cannot just take it for granted that if I could move this thing faster, everything would be better. No, right. everything would be faster. That's all it guarantees you. Uh, and if you're giving up a chunk of your company in order to place this bet, let's be really, really sober on what the actual outcomes might be and, and what the downsides are as well. Right. And look, I look at it saying um, in the 
formative stages. Again, let's like go yeah. month zero to month 12, month 18, maybe. Let's just stick with zero to 12. Sure. It's because I've never done this before as a founder, let's say, right? I don't, I've never, I've never been through this gauntlet. So I don't understand all the right. shit decisions I'm about to make. Right. <laughs> yep. And so I think that recruiting you or whomever else, you know, yep. to the cause um, is progress and therefore it justifies the cost. Right. I think maybe joining an incubator, not knocking incubators here. I'm just, you know, pointing out and yep. giving up 6% or 7%. Um, I like that you it. didn't mention you weren't knocking me, but, but, but not incubators. That's cool. I like Yeah, that. no, 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 no. I'm definitely knocking <laughs> you. <laughs> so, um, so we get into this thing where uh, I don't realize, because again, I haven't done it yet, yep. that a lot of the things I'm about to pay for, the most expensive money I'll ever spend, I could have just waited like right. six months or 12 months and probably gotten the same thing done. Um, in some cases better, not necessarily. Right. Yeah. But when you have nothing, everything feels like a giant win. Sure. Right. If I have nothing bringing on a co-founder feels like a giant win. If I have nothing yep. bringing on a, an accelerator who accepts me feels like a giant win. Right. Sure. What I don't think about is, is it though? Like, <laughs> is it a win for like this week, this month, yeah. or is this a forever win? Because I'm giving right. up the equity forever, right? It's forever. definitely gone, yep. and I can't get it back. Yeah, yeah, and I think this is the this is the conundrum that we get into, right? We we start making really really leveraged trades because we're acting in the moment, right? Again, we have to look a little bit longitudinally here and say, like, Big what time. is going to happen in month nine, month twelve? Um, can I make it that far? If not, why did I start this now? Right? There, there's so many other decisions uh, that can be made or could have been made up until that point where you say, like, I don't have to make these super leveraged trades to get things that I'm not even really clear on the value of, right? To your point, right. you know, taking on that $25,000, you know, at, at, you know, usurious rates where you're talking, you know, major percentage of the company for a tiny amount of money, um, mm -hmm. you would never make that trade again. Right. I think that's a really important thing to consider here is if you were to look backwards and say, you know, or five years from now, would I make that same trade? Would I hand it over to somebody? Then why are you doing it now? Right. And, and right. I think often the answer is, well, because I have to, because I needed it because, well, okay. Did you though? Really? Did you really right. need that? Was that right? the only are path? Absolutely clear that this was the, and that's, that is the, that's the caveat statement right there. The only path. Right. Because oftentimes there are so many other ways to skin this cat. We talk about this, right? Like pick up a side hustle, keep your day job, do something else to generate that little bit of cash that you think you need in order to move this thing forward faster um, right. or move it forward at all, right? And there is a difference and we should recognize that there's a difference between accelerative capital and enablement capital. But very rarely is that first 25K enabling, right? right. Said differently, uh, find another way to enable it, right? Don't right. start the business for an extra couple of months and save the 25K. Do anything else other than give up a meaningful percentage of your company for what will amount to, um, you know, an, a quality used car. Right. <laughs> That's what you're trading. That's what right. you're trading at this point. I think when you know you're leveraged, and the problem is people don't understand it in the way yes. that they need to. Um, yep. But when you know you're leveraged, what I would say to a founder and have said to a founder is, the money you're about to raise is the most expensive money you're ever going ever. to raise, right? Yep. Therefore, have you exhausted every possible option to do two things? One, have you exhausted every possible option to not need it, right? And the answer is always no, by the way, always. Yep. If you really press, it's always no. And the second is, have you exhausted every possible option to need less of it, 
because the only thing worse than you know raising the money is raising even more money that you don't you, you find out you don't need. I'll give an example. Yep. Uh, early on, uh, about two thousand. God, my dates are getting so old now. Two thousand seven. Uh, when, when we were running a company called afford it, uh, we raised about a million dollars in our first round. Right. And, uh, okay. Terms, not great. That's not really the yeah. point. Um, because in, in our mind, we needed that money in order to run our first uh, series of campaigns to help sell our products online. Right. In our first month, we spent about $15,000 in AdWords, not a ton of money. Right. And generated went a lot farther back then though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's our CMO. Wow. Talk. Uh, and so we generated like $500,000 in sales, right? A disproportionate number, which yeah. ended up in retrospect, proving like 90% of our thesis right there um, on customer acquisition, on the business model, all this shit. And I remember talking to Elliot about it. And I was like, we basically just gave up X percentage of the company. I, I tell you, I just don't remember what the percentage was. Um, call it like 30 to 35% of the company. Yeah. For essentially 15,000 useful dollars. I was like, dude, why didn't we just put that on a credit card right, right early right. and save the entire round? Because the second thing that would have happened, this is the important part. The second thing that would have happened is that we could have had $500,000 worth of sales versus $0 in sales yeah. and gone raised on that story. Yes. Right. Right. We'd have gotten right much after better, more money, yep. much better oh, terms, right. For what's essentially just a single milestone. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, we should have is- tested that. And that's where our story continues, right? Yeah. And that's the conversation that we have all the time, which is what is it really going to take you to get to that next milestone, which will either greatly reduce the cost of capital or maybe even eliminate the need for it, right? Right. Oftentimes, we're talking to people who are trying to raise money just so they can get to the point where they turn revenue on. And then they may not need to raise capital again, or at least for a a significant period of time. So it's always like, well, what can we do to fight a little harder to get to that point? Uh, but I want to circle back on something you said, which is, it's funny. And I was thinking the same thing as you entered into that, that dialogue, which was credit cards, right? People tend to understand this and they're like, oh, I would never do that, right? Look at the interest rates on those things. Like, uh, hello, look at the percentage of your company you're giving up for the same <laughs> amount of money, right? Yeah. Play that over time. Oops, we did the math yeah. wrong there. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's, it's, it's funny that people have that because they, they know the value of a dollar, right? Especially right. when you don't have one, they know the value of the dollar in and of itself, right? But I think they do forget what it represents. I'll, I'll give another example, which is that I was talking to a founder three, four weeks ago now, um, who was already in business looking to, to raise some capital to enter a new market. Looks good for them. It feels like the right thing to do in terms of entering the market, but raising the funds to get there did not seem like a great idea. And when we dug into what they actually needed to do. It turned out they could get a bunch of in-kind trade from partners they already had. There it is. And needed to raise almost no capital. I mean, it got down to the point where it was ludicrous. It was like they needed $22,000. And this is a company that's doing uh, like 200,000 in monthly revenue. So like they didn't need to go raise money anymore. They're like, we'll just tighten up the belts for a month or two, uh, pocket that cash away. And then we've got everything we need to execute this plan. So you know, this was a more mature company. Of course, we're talking about people at the very, very early stages. These guys are 18, 20, something like that, 18, 20 months in. Um, So they're a little further along, but they were still looking at making what would have been a really, really bad decision. They were were looking originally for around 200K and they were hoping to be able to raise that on 2 million and weren't sure that they would be able to. Meaning they were going to give up at least 10% of their company. Right, because they're leveraged. What amounted to 
Right. Which, and they were like, we were willing to do that. They're like, okay, you know, that feels like a worthy trade. This is a good market. We believe in it. And that sounds fine. Right. And if I hadn't told the other half of that story, which was then they eliminated all that down to $22,000, they didn't even need to raise. That sounds better. Doesn't it? Like, come on. (laughs) So these are the kind of exercises that we have to continuously go through and make sure that we're actually as leveraged as we think we are, or that the leverage is necessary in the first place. Right. Do we have to pull that lever? In right. many cases, the answer is just plain no. Usually, if you give it more time, these things start to solve themselves. And <laughs> at the time, funny? people don't see it, yeah. right? Yeah. At the time, all of us, myself included, would say, okay, well, uh, again, I don't have the cash. I need the cash. I got to hire developers or I got to hire marketing folks, whatever. You know, I need stuff that I don't have. Therefore, I have to raise money. There's no other way around. Yeah. And instead, a, a better way to look at it would be, um, I want to raise money. There's nothing wrong with raising money. I want to raise money. but I want to raise it for what I only what I absolutely need and cannot get any other way. Yes. I cannot get with, with spending more time. I cannot get with, you know, with, with being more um, bootstrappy kind of about it. I'm right. absolutely out of options. Now that's sure. rarely the case, right? Yeah. When, when somebody puts your feet to the fire, especially if somebody who knows better, right? right. If you've never done this before. You assume you're leveraged and that's just the way it goes. You talk to some other founders who have been through this before and they're like, you know what? That's not, you're not as leveraged as you think you are. Get to this milestone and this milestone, you'll raise on better terms and probably yes. more money, right? 100%. Um, it, this isn't about whether I raise money or not. That's not the, it at all. This is about when I raise money. Right. Or more specifically, exactly. when I give up equity, which right. brings us to, to, to the, our next point, which is the single most expensive decision we're ever going to make yep. is the day we meet our potential co-founder, right? right. Now, all of a sudden, what we gave up to investors means nothing. This right. is the single most expensive thing we will ever do, right. and we all fuck it up. <laughs> it's it's a it's a it's a thousand bets at once, right? That that's really what you're doing. You're making a, a thousand bets at once, tied up on a single human. Um, and in so many cases, we just see people part with half their equity, right? Why? Well, because there's two of us. Now we've done entire episodes on this, so we won't. We yep. don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole. But let's revisit not a little bit. Right? Great let's, ideas. We'll, yeah, let's let's, let's revisit a little, a little. Bit. It wants to climb out. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, first things first, and, and uh, you and I talked about this. Uh, we we take on a co-founder in most cases because they're the only person, as you said, at the playground. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's wearing our same shirt. Right? right. We both got blue shirts on. We must be yeah. best friends forever. Here's half so, my so, so you're instantly qualified, right? Yeah. <laughs> and again, in many cases, because we've never done it before, we never run through the math where we're like, I mean, is this person going to contribute half the value forever? Right. right? It's, because it's that's part. a long time. It is. Right. And I'll give you the most common use case I see. Um, most common use case these days is um, I've got an idea. I need a developer to help me pr- produce the MVP, et cetera. Yep. I'm looking for a technical co-founder. And I yep. immediately say, whoever's willing to build this in whatever version I need right now is going to take half the company, right? <laughs> now, yep. imagine a different version, right? Where an investor comes to you. An investor says, I will underwrite the cost of building the MVP, but you have to give me half the company. You'd yeah. be like, we wouldn't say yes to that. Yeah, that's, right? that, that seems odd. Right? Same decision, slightly different framing, and yet somehow we treat those as two very, very different things. They're the and same. We don't fundamental. realize, right? Yep. 
to your point of how expensive it is, but also how much we don't know about this investment. Yes. Right? Because we're going to pay for it for life and we're never yeah. getting it back. Right. And yet, we not only give it up easily, we go out of where to find people to give it to. <laughs> which it's bananas. Yep. You know, by the way, I just want to mention if what we're talking about today sounds like the kind of discussion you wish you were having more often, you actually can. You know, we're online all day every day working through exactly these types of topics with founders just like you. So any question you would have or maybe some problem you just want to work through, we're here and we love this stuff. And we're easy to find. You know, head over to groups.startups.com and let's just start talking. We get it all the time. I, right. I've got, I've got, a, I've got, you know, this is, it's timely. Uh, in the last week, uh, 10 days maybe, I've had conversation with two founders and they, they both came to me and said, you know, these were people who had come to us three, four months ago in both cases. And one of the, one of the things that they were looking for in, in joining up with startups.com and in particular founders group was they were hoping to, to come in contact with other people directly in the network or somebody that they knew, somebody at a first degree connection to the network who would be a co-founder for them. They were yep. actively seeking co-founders. They were running around looking for a bucket to pour half of their equity into. A right. very leaky bucket in most cases, right? <laughs> um, but here was the cool ending to this. So in, in both of these cases, uh, they were actively seeking co-founders and, and it was top priority for them. They both listed this as like the, the, the main thing that they wanted to try to accomplish. Um, and over a three-month period, so to your point of a lot of these problems solve themselves with time, and to our other point around, there are often other ways to skin these cats. Don't skin cats. I don't know why I said that. I would never skin a cat. What a horrible uh, analogy. Yeah, it is. I know. I never really thought about that. I use it frequently. I will never say that again. It's terrible. <laughs> um, I have a cat. I love it. I'm never skin it. So anyways, the, the other piece of that was there are other paths to this end. And in, in both cases, and there were slightly different issues at play. One of the founders was simply scared of doing this by himself, right? He, he just right. did not want to, to think about going this alone and just felt like he needed, you know, another warm body there to get through, you know, the, the cold early times of the startup. That's the um, vulnerability. Which, right? It's the vulnerability. Yeah. The other founder was having somewhere between just like a, a practical knowledge crisis where there were just a lot of things that she didn't know how to do. And she was very aware about that, um, which is fantastic, right? She knows that there were deficits in her knowledge and she needed to fill some of those. Um, right. Part of it was also just imposter syndrome where, right. you know, she absolutely was qualified, you know, even for the things that she had 15, 20 years of career experience in, she was still doubting herself a little bit. Sure. And, and so, but so here's what happened after three months sitting around with other founders and talking about these issues, guess what happened? The issues went away. That person, the, the one who right. just felt lonely, no longer felt lonely, had the support yep. that, that he needed and, and felt good about proceeding with the support of a community of founders around him. Yep. On the other hand, she was able to attend some workshops, talk to some people within the founders group, pick up a couple of, of great expert calls um, and, and solve the knowledge gaps. And all of a sudden, guess what? I no longer need a co-founder. I don't have to give up half my company. I gave up, you know, 15 or 20 hours of, of phone consultation and talking to people who knew what they were doing and, and could advise me how to do this for myself, right? Yep. Imagine the delta in the long term of not having given up 50% of equity for those, those, what became trivial, right? They didn't feel trivial at the time because you were standing behind them. Once you get on the other side of these things, they tend to look infinitely small. And it's like, I can't believe I ever felt like that was even a problem. 
right? And, and the, you know, the uh, imposter syndrome is a great one because I think once you do get over that, it's like, I can't believe I ever felt that way about myself. I cannot believe that was an issue. And I can't believe I was going to give up half my company to try to solve that. By the way, probably bringing on somebody else who had the same level of imposter syndrome that I did. <laughs> oh, by, by definition, right? <laughs> right? What if, what if there was a law that said you're not allowed to bring on a co-founder until yeah. the beginning of year two? Oh, there you, you know go. how many 50-50 yeah. co-founders you'd have? Zero. Yeah, yeah zero. Because <laughs> yep. by the time we'd all sobered up, right, and had a little bit of time in the saddle with our business, we'd look back on, I'm not giving a fucking 50% of my company to, to, right. for another person to join, right? Yep. Or, right, you know how many times we see a person that's that started a company, let's say they're in year one, and for whatever reason, they've got a little bit of traction and they've got two or three people working for them. Yep. And then retroactively says, I'm going to bring on a co-founder and give them half the company. Never. Right. Right. You right. kind of start to see a pattern here, right? Yeah. Given enough time, you start to look at the value of what you built. And I'm not giving away half this shit now, right? Right. right. And so I think for, uh, for a lot of founders, because again, they've never been through this gauntlet before, they don't understand how expensive this decision is. Right. Right. This, this um, is why getting that third-party perspective from somebody who's on the other side or some buddies who are on the other side yeah. goes so damn far. I, I got an effusively thankful uh, email six months ago, uh, from, from a founder that I've known for five or six years now. Uh, and he'd started something new about two and a half years ago and was really excited about the founding team that he'd put together. And, you know, was really you know, super high on them and was like, you know, and this was, a, this was an experienced founder. He'd already been through right. one. It wasn't a failure. I didn't go where he wanted it to, but you know, it did well enough. Um, and it kind of primed him for the, the second one, which is doing quite well now. Um, he, he was really pumped up about these folks, right? And he was like, yep. we're just going to do an even 25% split across these four co-founders. I'm like, okay, all right. I'll let him talk himself out and then we'll, we'll circle back <laughs> around, all right? And so we, we had a, a very frank conversation around the, the pitfalls and dangers in doing that for everyone involved, right? I was like, you, yeah. you know, you got you to imagine all four of you are not going to make it to the end of this thing. Yeah, um, and so let's, 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 talk about, let's talk about how, how we justify who gets what Let's talk about, you know, a, a vesting schedule. And then let's talk about, you know, a clawback and decay if people don't stick around so that right. you're not con consistently sitting with ghosts in the cap table. And he was not receptive to it at first at all. He's like, I feel like it's going to be offensive. I feel like it's going to be this. I feel like it's going to be that. I was like, you know, it's going to be more offensive if you're sitting across the table from one of these people four years from now um, and trying to figure out how to unamicably part ways over, over what was an inequitable equity split at the start. Right. Um, so this email comes back around uh, and, and, you know, he, he eventually did, he went with, you know, uh, a, a kind of a slicing the pie model, um, you know, good vesting schedules. And this email was, Hey, look, uh, I, I'm so thankful that you did that for me. Uh, we're, we're down to, to two co-founders now. Uh, ironically, uh, the, the uh, woman that's with him now as a, as a co-founder is not one of the original three others uh, who were in the mix. Surprise, surprise. Funny how that works. Uh, yeah. And she has something like 8% of the company. Right. right. Whereas right. before his co-founder pool was going to have 75% of the company. Right. And so he was extremely thankful. Right. It's the timing. And he said, you know, like I, the company would have ceased to exist was how he put it. Right. Had this not gone that way. Had he not put those things in place, he would have made this very expensive leverage fear-based decision. And it would have cost him the entire company because there would have been no path to proceed. Had they, had, had, you know, three people walked with 25% of the company fully vested each it would have been dead. It would have gone nowhere. Right. They had to do a right. funding round before he brought on, I uh, know, sorry, just after he brought on the, the 
eventual co-founder. Uh, and imagine having 75% of your cap table tied up with people who now work at Microsoft, Google, and somewhere Fuck else. Fuck that. Right? <laughs> just like, can't happen. Can't so, do it. Okay. So we beat up co-founders. Let's talk a little bit about investors, right? Cause that's kind of, you know, what a lot of this leads up to. Do we save all our good punches for this part? <laughs> no, we love investors. They're super we do. important, but we, do. They are. we don't love it when our fellow founders make the wrong decisions with yep. investors. I mean, it's kind of right. just that simple. And so what we tr try to do uh, when we talk to folks is when it comes time to raise, we say, uh, number one, again, have you exhausted all your options? Yes. Um, because and they'll always say yes, by the way, first pass is always yes. Right. Yes. That's the only reason I'm raising. I have to, I need this to hire developers, you know, marketing uh, dollars, whatever. Right. And it's, and it's true. You do need those things. What I think folks don't quite understand is you don't necessarily need all of that right this minute because sure. right this minute, it's a really expensive time to raise some dough. Right. Yep. Going back to that example, I said, where we spent $15,000 and we ended up raising a million dollars, giving up a third of our company. And that was a super expensive decision we couldn't get back. And had we just waited a second, exhausted a few more options, we would have done things totally different. Yep. And I would argue that's mostly the case. The problem is founders don't know any better. It's their first time doing it. So they just assume, I need money. I don't have money. This is the best time which is rarely the case. What, <laughs> right. So where, where I get frustrated is I don't think founders look at this decision. In, they say, I need the money. What they don't say, and I think it's what we should dig into is, is this the time for that money? Yeah. They think if I don't have it, it's the right time. Rarely the right, right. answer. Yeah. I mean, like we keep saying, there, there are often so many other ways to get around these things. And, and while they are big and important problems you know, in the, in that state of the business, right? It feels insurmountable, right? We need to get our right. first $5,000 together for a marketing budget, right? That'll be a laughable daily spend amount sometime in the future. But for right now, it's all the money in the world because we don't have it, right? right. So you start to look at, well, okay, what are the other ways around that, right? If it's a $5,000 problem, raising equity is, uh, you know, capital against equity is probably not the right move, right? And, right. and sure, it may be 10 or 15 different $5,000 problems, but I think this is where founders can often get lost as they go through, they run the tally, they look at the total amount of money that they need. And then that just becomes this, this mountain that they feel like they have to climb, right? We need $150,000 to do everything that we can possibly think of to do in this moment, right? Which That's one, a great way to put it. not possible to do, right? These things will have to happen. Some of them may happen in parallel. Um, more than likely, they will happen in sequence rather than in parallel. So you're going to be doing one after the other. Uh, and you're not going to spend all the money at once, right? So if you've decided we need, you know, 90 days worth of marketing and we need to be able to spend $10,000 a month over that period, you don't need $30,000 right now. You need like five, right? That'll right. get you two weeks. Let's see how it backs out. Let's see if it backs out, right? Let's start to start to play with the numbers a bit. And so I think that when we start to look at it only in the aggregate and we forget what the constituent pieces of the, the, the required funds are, we blind ourselves to a lot of other solutions. Sorry, but let's, let's build on that a little bit because yeah. I, uh, what I want to talk about, you just raised a great point. Let's compartmentalize each of the things we're going to spend this money on exactly. and ask ourselves, can we move the meter on any of these things um, before we raise for all of these things? Yep. Because if we just start lumping a bunch of stuff in there that we could have gotten to otherwise 
without raising at the most vulnerable, expensive time in our lives. Yes. That was wildly wasted money. That's my $15,000. I didn't need yep. to hire any more people. I could have run that on any given night, run that experiment to a landing page, yes. right? On any given night and gotten the same results. And right. yet in my mind, I was like, I've got to raise a million bucks because I want to hire staff and I want to do marketing and I want to do all these things, which was true. I, I, yeah. I did need to do you those wanted things. wanted to. Yeah, you need to. Yep. I just didn't need to do them all in the same raise, right? <laughs> right? I should have picked it off and I should have said, wait, before I raise a dollar, first thing I want to do is I want to list out all the things that honestly I could probably figure out with or without this money over yes. the next three to six months, let's say, yep. right? And if I'm being really honest and really crafty, I should have said, well, even though I'm going to need, say, $400,000 for marketing, I don't start with $400,000. I don't walk to no. the table and just drop $400,000. I start with 10 or 15 or et cetera. Yep. Do I have access to that cash now? Of course, the answer was yes. But I should have said, well, until I run that test or you know, kind right. of burn through that money, I probably shouldn't jump to the next thing because that $15,000 is going to cost me 33% of my company. Right. And I'm never getting that back. Never that's, getting a, it back. that's so dumb. Or yeah. said differently, if we fast forward a year from now and we look back and say, hey, um, would you be willing to give up 33% of your company for what was essentially the first $100,000 that you spent? I think yep. not in a million years. Right. Because whenever you look back, you realize how dumb and vulnerable of a decision that was to begin with. Sure. Yeah. I think there's a couple important things to unpack there. One is that if we are ready to make these bets and we truly believe in them and we think that that $15,000 in marketing spend is going to lead to meaningful traction, then why would we raise against all of the other things that are going to happen in parallel to that that aren't required for that piece to gain the traction? Because what you're exactly. saying is, I'm going to take all the money now, but one piece of the money I'm going to take is going to have a meaningful impact on traction yes. and therefore on the valuation. Right. Do that shit first. Okay, start <laughs> with that. The other thing I want to bring up, and, and we're doing this consistently through this episode, uh, and, which is analogizing everything to dollars. And, and right. this is something that I'll often sit down with founders and talk about, like, hey, you don't actually need $400,000. And they're like, what do you mean? Like, we just clearly laid out, we need $400,000. Right. I'm like, no, you got $100,000 for marketing there. They're like, yeah, we need every penny of that. I'm like, no, you need the traffic and the sales that that represents. You don't need money. Money is just a conduit to the things you're talking about. And this isn't just a splitting hairs conversation where I'm trying to be a jerk about it. It's pointing out that there are other ways to get there. So instead of thinking we need $100,000 to go run ads or you know, to, to, to pay an influencer, what other ways could you possibly get there, right? Do you know some people who would be willing to take a CPA deal against you know, promoting your product in their newsletter um, or on their Instagram feed, right? There are so many other ways. It's one silly example, but there are so many ways to buy down the cost or eliminate the cost of these things or at least the upfront cash required to do it. So remember, right. as you're thinking about the money that you need, need to raise, it is nothing more than a proxy for the outcomes you're trying to create with that cash. So if there are other ways to create those outcomes, you don't have to get the cash in the first place. You don't have to give up the equity, right? Particularly at a time where, again, you're most vulnerable and all of these activities should change your valuation and therefore the cost of that capital to begin with. To your point, Will, this is really not a matter of do we raise? It, there may be, there's a lot of startups that are on a path where raising will become necessary at sure. some point, right? That point 
has everything to do with, you know, whether there's just a period or an exclamation point um, after the, the statement, I sold my company. Right. right. Like, right. I want right. there to be a fucking exclamation point at the end of these guys. Like we don't want to give up all the equity in these companies before we sell the damn things uh, because it makes the uh, makes that process a lot less fun. Right. You said something that interesting there. You said um, that the money is a conduit to get more traffic. Right. Yeah. And there's other ways to get more traffic. Totally agreed. But the other thing that's interesting is when I stack rank the importance yes. of what I'm going to spend things on, yep. you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to move stuff, money that I spend that gives me revenue right away right? It drives dollars if my business yep. model, you know, has that option, right? So, so I want to point something out. When I raised a million dollars and I took $15,000, I put it into Google AdWords and I ran AdWords and I sold Xboxes online, right? Whole other story of what we were doing there. I generated revenue. Now yeah. here's what happened. The $15,000 didn't just evaporate. I got it back. Yeah. And then I spent it again and I got exactly. it back and then yeah. I spent it again, right? And what I didn't consider is I didn't need $400,000 for marketing budget. Ironically, I needed $15,000 for marketing budget. Yes. And then I needed it to return and keep reinvesting it, right? And it turned out that if I'm ranking where I'm going to be raising money, here's what I'm going to think about. I want to I give up as little equity as possible because I can't get it back, yep. right? So I only want to raise right now for the things that, the, those things that are at the top of my list that are most likely to generate some yield to make it so I don't have to raise as much money right now. Exactly. That's the whole thing. Right yep. now, I'm vulnerable right now. as hell, right? So I, I want to do everything I can to make this moment in time evaporate exactly. so that when I am taking larger slugs of cash, I'm doing it less vulnerable. Right. Everything I should be doing right now should be focused on that very moment, right? What are all the mechanisms I can put in place to be less vulnerable? There's a ton of stuff that I, I could spend money on that's not really going to make me less vulnerable, right? Vis-a-vis -vis yeah. returning cash, et cetera. Hiring, yeah. uh, hiring a bunch of staff or uh, getting an office space, like, you know, if people still do that anymore, um, isn't so. going to make me less vulnerable, right? If anything, right. Be more vulnerable, more, vulnerable. more expenses, yep. right? Yep. I should be thinking right now, dude, I'm so vulnerable. I need to be doing everything I can to get out of this situation. Yep. And I need to be working in an order of events that balances these two things. How do I make steps toward less vulnerable yeah. and how do I make steps toward more valuable? Exactly. Yeah. I, I've never thought of this. I've used this analogy in other ways, but there's the, the hunting and farming analogy actually works really well here. Um, I think that at this early stage, the, you should be focused on hunting, right? Which are things right. that you can reliably go out and, and, and make use of in the immediate future, right? Yep. Things that will bring in revenue or partners or, you know, that, that developer that you need to get the thing built, whatever it is right. that is going to get you closer to unlocking those short wins, i.e. hunting need to happen now. You can build the farm down the road, right? You can domesticate yep. everything and, and make life easy later, right? But I think too right. often people are trying to build their dream house right from go, uh, not realizing that you got to run this thing out of a tent for a little while, right? Or maybe yeah. a yurt. Which is okay. But you, yeah, it's, it's actually, it's, it's more than okay, right? Because I think it, it makes you harder to kill, right? As, right? as you said, the, you know, the office, the staff, all those things, they're great. And they, they may be, you know, part necessary, right? They may contribute to what's going on, but they're very rarely core and they just add weight and baggage to the operation and, and, and drag. And therefore you're more likely to have cash flow issues and all these other things that you don't want at that early stage, right? So to your point, 
focus on the the next thing, the one next thing that you need to do that's going to move you closer to generating revenue or getting right. the product out the door, whatever it is that's absolutely critical to that revenue milestone so that you can start to turn that cash over and let it produce for itself. To your point, that $15,000 didn't go away. Now I have it again and again and again. And hopefully it's compounding on itself and 15 goes to 20 and 20 goes to 30. And all of a sudden, you know, you've got a little bit of a flywheel in at least one part of the business where something meaningful is happening. Um, if nothing else, even if you're just stacking up users, very little revenue, whatever, there's some meaningful progress in the business that will help buy down that cost of capital, right? The story you have to tell at the early days is just not a great story. Story, and therefore, it's going to be a really expensive story to sell. Every little thing that you can do to make that story that much shinier buys down that cost of capital. All right. So that was fun. But let's actually keep this conversation going. You've heard what we think about this. But, you know, Ryan and I would really like to hear what you think. And we're online like all day long, pretty much talking about every startup topic you could think of from fundraising to customer acquisition to just really how to get all of this crazy startup stuff out of your head. And there's tons of other founders just like you. They're weighing in on these topics. So you'll get a chance to just hang out and meet some really smart founders. We're also super, super easy to find. You head over to groups.startups.com and let Ryan and I hear what's on your mind. Let's get to know each other a little bit and let's just start having more of these conversations.